0: Hello, I'm Lieutenant Governor Juliana Stratton, and I lead the Justice, Equity, and Opportunity Initiative. Welcome to my podcast series, Walk, Listen, Learn, Our Journey to Justice. Why a podcast? Well, I wanted to combine three things I love, walking, listening, and learning, as the title suggests. I'm also passionate about people and finding engaging ways to discuss issues. So thanks for joining me. In this episode, we'll be talking about jobs and economic opportunities for justice-involved people who are returning to their communities and re-entering society. And I'm really excited that my guest today is Cheryl Parks. Cheryl is Executive Director of the Jobs Partnership Peoria, and Job Partnerships programs have provided job training and services to people who are often chronically unemployed. Cheryl also advocates for resources for people who are currently in our justice system, and she's an advocate for those who are exiting our justice system. Cheryl, so great to see you. Thanks for being with us today.
1: Thank you for having me, and I really appreciate this opportunity to talk about a long overdue discussion on reentry.
0: Yeah, I know this is something that you're really passionate about. Yes. And what I was thinking about is how people hear this word reentry I hear re-entry so often, but I'm not sure everyone understands what re-entry really means. So what is re-entry, and why are these re-entry programs so important? And One thing that I try to explain to people
1: when they ask about re-entry is that they need to understand that those who have been incarcerated are going to return to the community whether re-entry programs exist or not.
0: In fact, most people do, right? Like, That's one of the things people sometimes forget. Most people who go to prison are going to come back to
1: the community. Absolutely, and they have a choice whether those returning to the community return with support and training that they need to contribute back to the community and to become a contributing citizen, or they can return to the community as an economic burden and a possible danger to the security of our neighborhoods.
0: So when you talk about reentry, it sounds like you're saying that reentry is an important part of the continuum that we think about public safety. Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. And I am a strong believer that reentry needs to start while the person is still incarcerated and be continued on after they
0: exit the correctional setting. And so what does that mean? Because people often think about, um, you know, men and women who are incarcerated, that reentry is about what happens when they go back to the community. But you Mm -hmm. just said it's important that it starts before people exit that system. Right. And that's something that um, Jobs Partnership
1: is all about. We are in a number of state and federal institutions in the state of Illinois, as well as the Peoria County Jail. And so we do um, a vast array of classes, especially at the county jail, uh, which we call our reentry program, that's while they're still incarcerated. And so once they are on the outside, then that trust has already been built. They know who to go to, who's going to help them. And then we start to work with them on getting jobs and other services that they need.
0: So what kinds of classes? So you talked about some classes that are happening while men and women continue to be incarcerated. But a lot of times people think about it again after... People get back into their community. So, what kinds of classes can take place while men and women are still in the system? Okay. Um,
1: some of the classes are that we focus on employee training, so those soft skills, resume writing, uh, how you address your boss, um, how do you handle conflict on the job, integrity, all those things that make a good employee. But then we dive deeper into it. We discuss addiction trauma, depression, um, attention deficit disorder. We have communication exercises, anger management. We really focus a lot on trauma. We have a number of classes on trauma. Uh, we have uh, the role of the father, uh, and that's for both the men and the women. Um, we talk about um, how important a father is in the household. Uh, we also talk about marriage relationships. We um, then cover healthy physical Um, living. We have two um, physicians that come in and talk about just healthy living. So when we first started with Jobs Partnership, we had just the core curriculum, which was those soft skills, integrity, um, authority, all these things that make a good um, individual. But then we were finding out when we were helping them find jobs that they were still losing jobs. And so we started listening more to the people and we found out that they needed um, help with their family relationships, that they needed help with their finances and their credit and all of these things, addiction. And so we became more holistic because we know that it, the, the job is very important to us. We want them to have jobs but we want them to be successful in life and we have to cover all these other um, issues for them.
0: And all of those things that you talked about clearly are the kinds of things that someone who has been away from their family, away from their community, away from their home for a length of time might need some support to be able to again successfully reintegrate into those communities and families mm-hmm. so one of the things that it seems like you talked about a little bit about um, was sort of the difference between what reentry might look like uh, for men versus women uh, i know that i've done a lot of work around um, our women's correctional system and uh, the unique needs and challenges faced by women in uh, in the system and how those needs are very different the level of trauma what got them to the the justice system in the first place is often very different can you talk a little bit about how that changes in, or the distinctions in terms of reentry you know when we think of reentry oftentimes people think of men they think about the number of men that are returning to communities but how are the programs and even the job opportunities perhaps different for women. And and there is a difference
1: between men returning and women returning. Women re-entering the community face in many ways the same challenges um, all of us women face in the workplace. Systematically being shut out of opportunities that are typically male-dominated, disparity in wages when compared to men, hitting that glass ceiling when it comes to promotions on the job, and the difficulty working a full-time job while struggling with issues like transportation and childcare. Then you add to those problems applying for a job with a felony arrest record. Then you're trying to restructure and fit into family systems that have been operating without them
0: for that number of years that they have been incarcerated. Because a lot of the women who are incarcerated are also mothers. Yes. And so that's a a different level of... of Added stress or a challenge that has to be addressed?
1: 80% of incarcerated women are mothers, and 65% of their children are minors. So that is a a big issue for women when they're returning. Um, You know, that they have to work through those issues of bringing their children back into their home and providing for them. Uh, Some of the other issues that, and I'm going to focus more on the, the family and but some of the other issues are retaining um retraining and technology that is advanced while they've been away it is um definitely part of our job when they come out is helping people set up just an email an appropriate email um address for employers to look at and Facebook and all these other um, things that have gone on and advanced
0: while they've been incarcerated. I'm so glad you said that because it makes me think about the fact that there are people who don't understand why somebody exiting our Mm -hmm. justice system can't just come in, get a job, and just keep going, and why we have sort of people who end up unfortunately, too high of a percentage of people cycling in and out of the system because it's not as easy as just saying, hey, let me just get up and going because things like what you just said, an email address or the technology that is used now is not something that you're used to using if you've been behind bars for the number of years. Right. Just applying for a job, everything is done pretty much... Um
1: on computer, when it used to be on paper, or just walking into a place. And then, when, I, I like that you talk about that, Like, just get out and get a job. Um, people don't understand, you have to apply for documentation. You need a state ID. You need to get your driver's license back. Well, if you're not employed, just getting a state ID costs, uh, I think it's $20. or Well, you don't have any money. And then, if you lost your social security card, And during COVID-19 right now, you have to mail in physically your driver's license or your state ID to the Social Security um, office in order to get your Social Security card. And they are so backlogged, it's not the same. So getting your documentation, your driver's license, your state ID, your Social Security cards is much more difficult for someone coming out of incarceration. And then um, securing adequate housing for themselves and their family, other problems. Then you add to this the impact of trauma that is incurred before incarceration and during incarceration. Um, the majority of women who have been incarcerated have suffered some type of physical or sexual abuse or and suffer now from PTSD. I was teaching down in Decatur, our JAWS Partnership Program, and that is a female um, prison. And I had a woman in her late 50s in my class. And what we hear a lot is uh, they talk about the sexual abuse that has happened to them as a child. And I remember this woman particularly because we're sitting in the class, and again, she's, she is now bringing up the fact that she had been sexually abused as a child. And then she said these words, I have never told anyone in my entire life before that I had been sexually abused. Here she is in her late 50s. And then her next statement I know that my addiction came from that, but I never told anyone and I never got any help for it. And so um, that's a problem, you No, know, the PTSD. And then, like she said, she became an addict. So you have the addiction issues and the majority of the women that are coming out should be in some type of recovery program. And then they have the pain of, and the social stigma associated with losing their parental rights. Sixty-five percent of the children are minors. That That's a lot of children that have their parent
0: incarcerated. and then um and that that often leads to different issues that even the children have to uh, deal with and address as well. And uh, so we that's why we talk about sort of the multi-generational impacts of mass incarceration absolutely.
1: Uh, another problem like that women face when trying to get a job is that most men um, are able to find a job anywhere you know, they can go anywhere in the state and look for work. But for women who are trying to get their children back, they have to go to that particular community where their children are, because their children have been developing um, relationships and their lives in a specific community. So for a woman to um, go to Springfield when her children are in Chicago, that's not going to work. She has to find a job in that town. And if it's a small town, Now um, the advantages of getting a good-paying job are even less than in a major city. And um, for women, reentry programs need to provide holistic supports that address the specific needs that females face with these extra challenges, like with their children. They need to have... um, Places in that community that will work with returning citizens, the females, and their children, so that when the women have to answer the questions, are why did you lose us? Why did you choose your addiction over us? Why did you start into your addiction? They need help to restore the relationships with their children. It's not so simple that mommy's home and the children are excited, and they are. But then they have to get to some of those deep questions. And those are really hard to answer. I mean, the the mothers have the answers, but it's a difficult conversation. And if you have to have support with you to answer, to help answer those and navigate that. Help for the children, giving them the permission to ask those tough questions, and helping the woman answer those tough questions and building that relationship and restoring that relationship with the children instead of fracturing it even more.
0: Yeah, it sounds like there are so many different layers that are a kind of a part of this re-entry process, especially mm-hmm. as, it, as you've discussed as it relates to women. Mm-hmm. Just like the same unique challenges that we find with women that are incarcerated, those challenges don't go away because they are now returning back to their communities. In fact, there's probably even more uh, layers to add to those challenges that make reentry even more difficult, not impossible, right. but something that just requires support. Mm-hmm. And it requires all of us really thinking about um, policies as it relates to how do you make reentry more effective uh, and successful for both uh, for both men and women, but certainly recognizing the sort of gender specific needs that also arise. And I, and I love the
1: word that you use, support. As people in the community, we need to help support the women and the men coming back. Because if we don't, it's just going to hurt our community. And it's a whole lot easier to give the support on the front end than to deal with all of the issues that come. And and if they can't find the work, they're going to return to their old ways, which means that's going to hurt their families even more. It's going to hurt our communities. And so we have to be willing to look and offer the support where we can. And one thing that I hear a lot, you know, well, you know, they deserved, yes, absolutely. Nobody is is faulting um, our justice system for, they did the crime, and they were given the punishment. But once they are given that sentence, that means their sentence is served. They are done. You cannot keep holding that over their head. And you cannot say, well, this is why their children are their way. Let's be a part of solving that problem, helping them. And I don't believe that we help them forever and ever, because we want them to be able to stand on their own. But they need help. Just like anyone in your family, if they needed help, you would go and help them, offer that support. We need to do the same.
0: Yeah, I think in many ways it's recognizing that we're all connected, that when we Mm -hmm. talk about a community, that we're all connected. And when a community member is in need, Mm -hmm. it helps all of us because in some way our lives are all intertwined. You know, I wondered if you could talk just a little bit about um, some of the programs that you're involved with and talk a little bit about some of the success stories and some of the challenges that you've seen sure um in 2019 we
1: served 885 people in the state of illinois um, through the various correctional settings and in our community of um, peoria 360 of the 885 were females I do want to talk about some of the success stories. Uh, Just recently, we had a young woman. She came to us in February. Her name is Rakai. And when she came to us, she did not have um, any work. And she went through our Jobs Partnership Solar Technician Training Program. And at the end of her uh, training, uh, she was offered a job by Straight Up Solar as their very first female installer. That is a solar company that we partner with. And so we were really excited for her, one, that she had gotten a job, um, but the other that she was their first female installer. And they do have other females that work in the company, but this was the first time they ever hired one. And so um, they hired her as an intern for a few weeks, but after their first week with her, they were so impressed by her, they took her off the roof and put her part-time in the office, because they wanted to train her on all the different aspects of the solar industry. And so, um, again, because she was an intern, um, after five weeks, we got a, a note from them saying that they hired her full-time, and they gave her a $2 uh, 2 an hour raise in five weeks. She was already making a living wage. Now they bumped her up. And they were so impressed that they created a new position where she is part-time on the roof and part-time in the office. And now her goal is to, become a, to get her license to become a drone pilot so that she can um, run the drones out on the different areas so to look at where's the best place to set up a solar array. Then I want to talk to you about Mila. Mila was in um, Logan Correctional Center. And when she was getting ready to leave, she didn't want to go back to where she came from. And so she had moved to our independent living home for female ex-offenders. Through our employer network, she was able to get a job in logistics within two weeks. She was supposed to be on the floor um, working in the factory, but once they had gone through the interview, they put her in the office as a clerk. Uh, the, the other things that we worked with her on were her finances, and that's something we spent a, a great deal of time with a lot of our people that come through. Um, Mila did not have bad credit. Mila had no credit, which is worse than having bad credit, and so we worked with her on that, and uh, nine months ago, she was able to secure a loan for a vehicle. She's now married, Um, She now has restored her relationship with her children after being absent from their lives for 17 years. In fact, two of her children have recently moved um, into her house and are living with her and restoring that relationship. She's now saving with her husband to buy a home. And now she works for Jobs Partnership as my administrative assistant. And she is training to be an instructor and mentor for women facing reentry. Those are two of our success stories just this year alone. And there's many, many more And from
0: that. But it sounds like ultimately having some support, having someone to say, you know, there's some things that we're going to do to help you mm-hmm. get on your feet so that when you head back to your community, you're going to have some folks surrounding you and making sure that you are on your way. And then once people have that opportunity, and I hear that a lot, like, just give me a shot. Give me a chance Mm -hmm. to get in, try to show that what I can do. And then they're able to show what they can do with proper support, of course, and then be on their way.
1: And that's exactly our philosophy is give them that support so then they can get on their way. And so that then they can become productive citizens and they can help the next person coming out. Mm-hmm. We're all about how you're going to give back and give to the next person. Yeah. Uh, some of the challenges we face, like all nonprofits, is financing. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, we are privately funded for the most part, um, and we receive grants, but that's especially during COVID-19, that is one of our biggest um, challenges. Uh, the other biggest challenge, I feel, is the forgotten victims of incarceration. That is the wives, the mothers, the girlfriends, and the children of the incarcerated individual. Um, They're also serving that sentence right alongside and uh, not getting the the help that they need while the parent is serving. I want to tell you about a young lady. She came to us a year ago. Um, Her dad was in our reentry class at the Peary County Jail, and he said, Can you help my daughter? Um, she's in need of winter clothes and so we brought her up to the office and we talked to her a little while we found out that not that she needed some winter clothes but she needed a lot of winter clothes because all of her clothes were in her dad's vehicle and when he was arrested they impounded the vehicle and they would not release anything in the vehicle until um, the gentleman was sentenced and so she was a 17 year old senior in high school and her father's picture was on the front page of the newspaper. Now, her friends didn't see his picture on the front page of the newspaper because uh, 17-year-olds don't normally read the newspaper, but their parents did, and they told her. So now she was dealing with the embarrassment, not only that her dad was arrested, but that he was on the front page of the newspaper, and she had no clothes. So I talked to one of the women in our family restoration group, And I'll explain that in a little bit. And she said, I would be happy to take her shopping. And so uh, through donations from Community Foundation of Central Illinois, uh, they had given us money to help those family members of people incarcerated. She took her shopping and spent three hours with her. And the young lady talked about everything that she was dealing with, how her relationship with her mother was not good, how um, she had to go to court. In a couple of weeks when her dad was being sentenced and she was 17 and she had a a sister that was just a few years older and that they were going on their own. And so our uh, family restoration member came back and told us. And so one of our staff members accompanied the two girls to the sentencing, which was so difficult, you know, to see your dad um, handcuffed, you know, in a courtroom and finding out that he was not coming home for quite some time a great deal, a number of of, of years. And so um, what we thought is the, let's get this girl some clothes turned into supporting her through one of the most difficult days of her life. And th- again, that's what it's all about, is helping people through this. But the the forgotten victims also deal with loneliness, the social stigma, feeling of helplessness, helplessness trying to deal with IDOC and federal bureaucracy when they're they're trying to get to their loved one, the loss of income and trauma issues. And so I do want to put a little shout out there to our Jobs Partnership Family Restoration Group because anyone in the state can be part of this group. We meet through Zoom and physically once a month. And we have a resident uh, retired psychologist that is part of this group. Who also meets with them one-on-one if they need some extra help dealing with issues, and so I just want them, you know, people to know that you don't have to be in Peoria to be to come to this group. Uh, We're starting a series on trauma for the next eight months, and uh, please, uh, you know, get in touch with us on our JAWS Partnership Peoria.org webpage or through our Facebook. Facebook page, Jobs Partnership Participants, or call our office at 309-404-9095.
0: Well, thank you so much, Cheryl. It sounds like those are the best ways to reach you, either through the website, through mm-hmm. Facebook page, or calling the office directly. Mm-hmm. Can you share that information again to the f- website? Yes,
1: jobspartnershippeoria.org.
0: Or Facebook page.
1: Jo- uh, no, JP participants or
0: 309-404-9095. Perfect, and that's where they can get more information about Jobs Partnership Peoria, or any of the programs that you talked about today. Right,
1: and and also I do wanna add, um, for anyone that's interested in becoming trained to be a solar technician uh, installer, we are starting up classes on September 28th. We have room for 20 people And male or female, you do not have to be a returning citizen, although we do have spots for you as well. But this is for anyone um, that is looking to start over. So September 28th. And again, go to the web page, our Facebook page, or our phone number to get in contact with us. We are taking names now.
0: Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate you taking some time to talk about reentry. Again, um, you know, as I said at the very top of our discussion, people... Uh, often don't think about the fact that when men and women are incarcerated, the majority of them, the vast majority, are going to return back to their communities. And what you talked about today is just the importance of people feeling supported, whether it's through helping them to get jobs and have viable employment, whether it's housing and health care or any of the other barriers that are often existing for people who are justice-involved, helping to remove those barriers so that people can successfully reintegrate. So thank you so much uh, for talking talking about all of these important issues with us, Cheryl. That's it for today's episode of Walk, Listen, Learn, our journey to justice. Until next time, I'm Lieutenant Governor Juliana Stratton. Thank you for walking, listening, and learning with me. Thank you for joining us. That's it for this episode of Walk, Listen, Learn, our journey to justice. Until next time, I'm Lieutenant Governor Juliana Stratton. Thank you for walking, listening, and learning with me. Let's stay on this path towards justice, equity, and opportunity for all.